0: In today's episode, we recap the Bulldogs dominating the Tennessee Volunteers in all three phases of the game, and we also preview the other Bulldogs of Mississippi State and that Mike Leach offense. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is my co-host, Keegan, and welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash.
1: Wish that I was on old Rocky Top down in the Tennessee here about that. Rocky top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Do it for the dogs. Ooh, ooh. dogs. Do it for the dogs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I do it for the dogs. Ooh, dogs. I do it for my dogs. Ooh, ooh. Who are you
0: doing for? Who are you doing for? Who are you doing Keegan, for? Keegan, I, I really liked what you, how you described it because it got talked about all week long leading up to this game as the game of the century, and again, ESPN's job is to hype up the game, but honestly, game of the year, maybe. But to me, it definitely turned out looking more like the beatdown of the century as, again, the dogs dominated in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. What a game. Georgia back on top after the new rankings released. Keegan, please give me, give me your reaction to this beautiful masterpiece of a game.
1: Man, this was a big one, not just for the team, not just for Coach Smart, but for all of Dog Nation. I just want to congratulate all of Dog Nation for being elite. But this fan base took it to another level of being just wholesome. It just felt so good to see the love and the support in the stadium at Sanford Stadium. It was as raucous as it's ever been. And that win wasn't just complimentary football. It was a complimentary culture. man. Yeah. We we know how to do it best at UGA. I don't care if we're you know fuck uh, zero and eleven. We know how to do it best. Like the culture at Georgia is amazing. And a, to cap off a big win like that, it, like against Tennessee, was just man. It, it it had to be the greatest game I've ever experienced. And I, I just wish I could have been there. I mean, and it's, it's been be that good. way
0: though with the Georgia like, culture. Wow. Didn't didn't it feel like other especially Tennessee, but around the country like other fan bases and ESPN, like they challenged like us as, you know, as as a culture in that, like, oh, it's not going to be a hard place to play. Eric Ainge infamously now has gone back on those words and really had to eat crow on that as if, again, Tennessee's win against Bama and all the other programs we talked about in the preview were at home and taking nothing away from them. You had the penalties, you had 50 points, Alabama gave up. It's not going to be the same coming into Sanford stadium where we can affect teams like we did Arkansas a few years ago when they were coming in, or even last year, whenever it was, when they came in highly ranked and on a roll, and they just could not get anything going due to crowd noise and then the defense and Kirby and them stepping up to the challenge.
1: Yeah, dude, it's like 90% of the money on bets was in Tennessee's favor. And like granted, you know, whichever, just depending on how you play the bets, there's more to those lines. But I'd say 90% of the professional media that I saw pick Tennessee as well how many fans didn't just say they were confident against Georgia the Tennessee fans mind you saying we gonna hang 50 50 I kept on seeing 50
0: all the time you know? even neutral fans Florida fans I asked several of them like honest honest opinion you play both now who's better and because we were number one at the time I think a lot of fans you know just get upset like oh Tennessee's lightning in the bottle and Tennessee they got it's that year it's 2019 LSU and we had the guest on here and you heard the optimism and I don't knock them for the optimism, but we tried to tell you that this was a very well-rounded team. And as we break down, I definitely want to go through the game again, just kind of highlight some of the big spots. But as you go through the offense of the day, the defense, the D line, the secondary, the special teams, Georgia is a complete football team from top to
1: bottom. And you saw it on full display. So heading into the game, you know, things, things I was hearing was that Georgia didn't have playmakers that the defense wouldn't know how to slow Tennessee down a lot of doubt in general, just cast. And I think the thing is, is, and I, I uh, tweeted at Jordan Rogers, Lord, forgive me. I kept it, kept it a, a buck, <laughs> kept it appropriate, but just, just people just not doing their homework. I mean, I, I don't think people give Kirby smart enough credit. like, after the game, you know, Tennessee fans, a lot of them say, you know, if if we were playing at a neutral field in Chattanooga <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or if we were playing in Nashville at a neutral site, or or if we played in Knoxville and just gave more tickets to dog fans and just kind of kept it 50-50, that it would be a totally different game. Well, wow, we but, beat we beat them at home last year. Worse. Yeah. I I mean, just move the goalposts. Why don't you? That's you're gonna all beat us. I just, I, you know, I just wish someone would own up on the, the hubris, the amount of audacity. Really, audacity yeah. is the word of the day, the word of that weekend. That not, from the media ranking us third to Tennessee fans going from we're going to hang 50 to y'all don't stand a chance to we're really confident penalties too. and rain. Yeah. Yeah. You mad penalty. at us? Rain? For the rain?
0: you had it up. We would have hung 40 or 50 on you had it not started raining. The entire exactly. third quarter, we drained them the entire third quarter. Oh, they don't want to see us again. <laughs> right, I neutral mean, side. Yeah, I mean, bro, me and it might happen. Them.
1: But, I yeah, mean, come yeah. on. Like, oh, just, say good good just say yeah, good game. Just say good game and move on. It's really not just that hard. Own, just own up that you were a little off. Like, I don't mind Tennessee fans being confident. Honestly, I'm happy for them. It's, uh, it kind of sucks when a team that you like to play, you're hype up against to play them because they're good. And when they're not good, it just kind of makes it lame for you. So it's overall just <laughs> better if they're good. So and, and like honestly, we're like right next to them. So we don't want a bunch of sad Tennessee fans. We want them to smile and stuff. You know, yeah. <laughs> press ass fan base. But the, <laughs> thing, but the thing is, at the end of the day, y'all, y'all just. Y'all just showed your colors, man. This is why we we John on the, the Tennessee fan base as it stands. And those because, ain't my favorite colors either, to be honest. Yeah, those, I, those ain't my favorite colors, bro. Y'all, y'all had a lot to be confident about. I'll sure, give you that. Sure. Man, just just put just remember to, you know, as Rick Flair once said, to be the man, you gotta beat the man. That's Georgia right now. And I just hope that, you know, whoever you know, eventually at some point you're at the top You to get a target on your back. I, I think that we should want that target because it just kind of solidifies what Georgia has done. And it just, to me, it just speaks to the, the people say it's for, you know, oh man, just wait till we get all the recruits in. Okay. What about Texas a and They got all the recruits. Like you think that's just like a magic wand? Like it's, it's not. it's And the thing is, is, Hey, like good news is, is I really think y'all, tennessee fans hired a great coach in josh heupel i mean what he did with ucf was pretty impressive they were claiming a national t- championship you know maybe, maybe it's the everybody. fan bases that where he goes like he just gets yeah, everybody so
0: hyped, and they just don't just, know how to act all of a sudden just, just get giddy you know what i'm saying
1: just <laughs> Get a little nervous or something just don't, just don't. man <laughs> I, the, thing, the thing is you guys it's just like yeah, I, I think that was a great hire. I think Tennessee has a lot of success coming. Do not confuse y'all's success with what
0: Kirby Smart has. What been. we've established, what we worked yeah. for, and what we've established—you're not it's, here yet. It's not it's a knock. So, it's exactly. not a knock. You it's, are. It's, you are not here yet. And in ESPN and all the media coverage, they doubted us too. And they're they're hopping ship like Apple Music. Up charging on <laughs> on their prices, like just
1: hopping shit all of a sudden now. So like be, be easy. Look, any fan base, like in any any other program, you measure up against Georgia, and you're gonna. It's this is one of those things. Like even Bama, like as is great you like. You can look at stats, you can look at accomplishments, you can look at the nitty gritty of the on paper things we usually compare. But I don't think we give enough like credit to Kirby smart for the culture he's built where guys really want to stay, where we use the transfer portal when we need to, you know, after the game, he mentioned, you know, we did this in-house basically. As a tool. Yeah. This was homespun. Like, and that the guys, a lot of the guys on the team grew up diehard fans. And you see that across college football. That's not unusual, but it's just a vibe with Georgia right now. To me, it's more than any of the recruiting accolades or anything like that. Like, Tennessee had a chance in this game. They had several big plays that they they just didn't execute on. Like I think y'all's coach put you in a position. Your quarterback played pretty sorry overall. Like he just didn't have his best game. Georgia had a lot to do with that, but also he missed some big throws that would have made the game a lot more competitive. And this is how I envisioned it, man. I, I thought about this a lot. I don't even watched the game. A, a few times not just for homework for the podcast but just for just you know if I was just feeling down in a moment I could just remember that the ass whooping we put on uh Tennessee and I've been a little sick this week so I needed a a, a spiritual pick me up and the thing is it, it kind of reminds me of a python you know or or the boa, the boa constrictor I think Which whichever one you know kind of ease its its way around its prey and once we got ahead and we had some big plays and we'll talk about all that man it was just like we choked the life out of tennessee like once it started raining it was like mother nature was a dog fan at that point because we just had them in our grips and once we had them you know at that point we played time of possession ball and it was just hard it was hard for tennessee to do anything and at that point it just seemed like it just was we just dominated that game in just about every facet so what would you like to add
0: or uh, I definitely then, I want to just talk about just kind of the the flow of the game, because I know this one's definitely one that's going to stick with us. But just to break down what we say, like when we talk about the summary of how this team dominated and the opportunities that were there, because I came into this game talking about the turnovers and the game started out with a turnover by DeJon Edwards. And initially this was before the rain started. I was a bit worried because, again, with. The way Tennessee's offense has played all season, the extra possessions was not going to be beneficial to us. So we get that turnover, or we have that turnover, and then the defense immediately holds Tennessee to a field goal. First stop, mind you, this is an offense that's scoring, that scored a touchdown uh, in 40 straight games, and they score a lot of touchdowns in those straight games, mind you. So we hold them, and then you have the second drive by the offense, and we have that beautiful Arian Smith pass uh, goes for about 55 or so yards, and this is the position that we're missing A.D. Mitchell, so for Arian Smith to come in and fill that void was really huge, especially on that play. And then <clears throat> I think we're close to the red zone, and the offensive line just starts from this point for the rest of the game. And I remember in Bleacher Report's community where people post things about the coaches and whatnot, we had, there was this guy in, in there who really commented on Stacy on the Stacy Sorrells hire and how he didn't like him as a coach and didn't think he could develop. As we currently stand, the offensive line for the University of Georgia is number 1 in pl- pass blocking efficiency. We are one of two teams with zero sacks to be credited to the offensive line, joining Oregon. So again, we were having a lot of pressure on Oregon when we played them but didn't register any sacks. As far as pressure on Stetson Bennett, he's been pressured 16.7% of the time on his dropbacks, which is the lowest rate in all Power 5 uh schools in those numbers. So the offensive line is is playing at their best at the perfect time of the season when we needed them. Mark that, check that, offensive line doing its best. Stetson's run shortly after for the touchdown on that drive when they sent the blitz where he escaped. He put on a little bit of Anthony, Anthony Richardson. And again, mm-hmm. we called for some of that offense to be effective against Tennessee since we saw them score 35. As far as Stetson's play, what, what did you like from what you saw? Because what I'm starting to see is Stetson... When we don't need him, may not be the most prolific quarterback, but in big games, he shows up. And that telephone celebration, uh, so apparently people, the Tennessee fans had leaked his phone number and called him all night. Boy, was he putting on a show and reminding them, hey, uh, I'm, I'm sending you straight to voicemail with this one because I got a big game tomorrow and I'm about to roast your team. How would you feel about Stetson's performance on Saturday?
1: Stetson just seems to play like he's got a chip on his shoulder and I guess he kind of does and you know the Tennessee fans probably only added to that by trying to annoy him and you know do what they do and I guess I guess I get it that's kind of a low a low move I mean do whatever you can to to try to get victory if you're a ball fan but like kind of trashy nonetheless and Stetson that I mean I think that might have been what it's in the running for his best game I mean regardless of that conversation he definitely added some all-time highlights to his dog reel and i was just impressed with his level of competitive spirit i guess at this point i expect nothing less from stetson bennett he he knows how to get in the moment get focused he had some big plays when we needed them yeah he was he was a game breaker for us like stetson stetson was the better quarterback by by a mile and dude this guy I don't know if he's going to be on the stage when it comes time to go to New York and hand out that Heisman Trophy, but I think I think it's possible, and he just seems to be getting better. So kudos to Stetson, kudos for the staff believing in him. You know, you saw Nolan Smith on the sideline had his uh, Stetson Bennett jersey. This guy's, you know, one of the leader, one of the big leaders of the team. And to me, I was thinking about this. I, I still want to say that my favorite QB to, to to root for was DJ Shockley, like back, you know, kind of how when JT Daniels was back at, uh, you know, in the conversation, you were kind of the JT guy at the time. You know, there was that season of life. Well, absolutely, that was when, all me. I was a big David Green fan. I mean, I I, I love David Green, but I just was like the I always wanted, you know, DJ Shockley to go in there and like Mark Rick used him, uh, kind of in a Justin Fields role with maybe a little bit more passing. And he, you know, when he finally got that big start, in uh, 2005, they won an SEC championship. I thought they could have gone even further. He's probably my favorite quarterback. But Stetson's given a run for my, you know, my childhood hero of of DJ Shockley. So just just an awesome guy to root for. Overall, just a just a freaking homie. Like you know, he's a DGD. You know, he's a diehard dog fan growing up. You know, he's the mailman. You know, he's got a great story story. He's like rudy 3.0 in this b but overall i think that to me is you know the emotional side of it just seeing him get fired up holding his hand you know doing the phone call after the touchdowns like it was a great game great highlights damn good stat line but one of the solidified dgd games of his career just epic performance one we'll never forget and man like freaking love you Stetson you're you're a, you're a damn good dog. And, right. and
0: and it's not even the offense Stetson was spectacular. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I, I got to give a shout out to the special team and the defense as well because again, a complete game, probably one of the best punts that I've seen. Mind you, this is a pretty young punter on our team, but the bomb that Brett Thurston – this Thorson, Thorson, Brett Thorson mm-hmm. The 75-yard bomb that he punted away that hit, I want to say it was maybe like the the 15, 17 to 10-yard line and then hit the corner, the one-yard line, and really set up great field position. That is that is a field-flipping punt, and that's those are the type of plays that change momentum in a game very quickly. And the reason people say that is because of what ensued after that, when Tennessee is backed up in their own end zone. And Jalen Carter, who has been out just Ooh, comes, made such an impact in this game. And these are the types of plays that will get you number one overall. This kid is special pressure from the inside, right in the face of Hendon hooker forces a fumble balls recovered by an offensive lineman. And I don't care what anybody says. This offensive lineman had two knees down and an elbow before the ball broke the plane before he fumbled it again. And it got recovered. He was and, uh, down in the end zone, and it was a safety, and the score should have been 25, 29 to 6 minimum for Georgia. Because, again, if man. if we get those two points and then they punt it off to us again, we're probably going to score shortly after or some sort of point. So um, just defense was uh, – you don't see safeties a lot, but that this defense is something special. And to lose all the draft picks and all the storylines you've all heard, but just to see these other guys and come and fight for their own, to make their own name, I, I think, was just absolutely spectacular, especially with an offense who was number one in this and that and those and these. It, it was a spectacular, spectacular performance. I, I'm I'm impressed every time I go back and rewatch the game highlights, to be honest.
1: I just think Kirby called a shot and, you know, had a lot of confidence on his guys. He said, you know, they're coming in to our backyard. They got to face us, the number one team. We're going to look them in the eyes. Look them in, yeah. Mm. Play all four quarters. I mean, that's risky. You know, that's risky. And the thing is, is like, I don't want to hear anything. But that's
0: ownership. You know what I mean? That's ownership. Let the results
1: happen. Whatever. But we're gonna we're gonna do this this way. Exactly. I agree completely. Any Tennessee fan that wants to talk about the talent gap, man. Before y'all came into this game, on paper you have one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country. Like your top three is better than our top three in the wide receiver for sure. For sure. Especially with injuries. Yeah. And Those guys didn't just did okay. And, you know, Hendon Hooker, he's also an older guy like Stetson. You know, he's a Heisman hopeful for a reason. But he didn't play that well. And, like, the defense at the end of the day was able to, you know, I think they sacked him, what, six times?
0: Should have been seven. One of them was a face mask. But this defense, eight.
1: Defense, eight. And, you know, a lot of that fell to me. At least a couple of those were ones that, you know, Hendon Hooker, being the vet he is should have thrown it away, or just you know you know tucked it and run or whatever, like there were a couple that it just seems like he's holding on to the ball too long, but it really it just goes to back to the dominance the secondary had, mm-hmm. and the few times that they got beat, either Hinden Hooker was pressured he he made the big tried to make a big play, and you know just couldn't execute like I think for Kirby and them, the strategy must have been, hey, let's keep everything in front of us. No big, massive plays. And Tennessee just fell into that. And at the end of the day, they laid the trap. Tennessee made their bed. I, I stand behind what I said. Like, I don't know if this is the best Georgia defense. They're they're just too young to say that. And what we saw last year was just too epic. It's just know. a
0: more complete defense. I, just, I don't think we're as talented, but I think from the line, the linebackers to the DBs, they're playing – as a cohesive unit more and not relying on that individual talent as much is what it looks like to me.
1: Yeah. I guess we can't say for certain, but I think it's a mix of that. And, you know, it's never just one thing. I think it's It's never just one thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a mix of what you're saying. And the fact that we have, I think we really do like in my heart, believe have the most athletic defense Georgia's ever had. Like all our linebackers are, are. Look
0: at, look at it this way, right? Last year's defense. We are, our bread and butter was stopping the run. Why? Because our best players at the time was a defensive tackle and a middle linebacker. Right. So you could, you could not run the ball against this, but also our secondary wasn't as good, but when you're one dimensional, the defense can call coverages and blitzes to help minimize its weaknesses. Right. So this year our defensive line is not as good, but it's deeper and we can rotate more. And then our secondary has been absolutely light, lights out. And again, Nolan Smith was out. Robert Beale, who got injured, but he's fine, just had a stinger. Chaz Chambliss, and then Marvin Jones Jr., the guys that we talked about. Those, those guys are the future. No disrespect against Nolan. His numbers since he's been at the University of Georgia is not the best thing he brings to the table. His impact, his voice, and his consistency are, is what's made him special and made him a starter for so long. But these other guys have the capability, Bill, he's led the team in sacks already before. Marvin Jones Jr. is going to lead the team in sacks one year. I'm calling it right now. And then Chaz Chambliss is, I, he, he seems like he's much more of a uh, run stopper to me, but he's already registered, uh, I think, one, one and a half sacks already on the season. So, like, he can do a little bit of everything. A young Patrick Kearney. come on. A young man. Patrick Like, listen, like, that's, and again, what can Tennessee fans say, like, we, we're beating you with twos and threes at some positions, literally twos and threes in some positions. We're Without and, Arian Smith, like it's dude, you, you're running out of excuses.
1: You, mind you, guys, that on paper, you can't point to them and tell me that we just out recruited you. I think it just comes down to culture. It's like we've built up the systems. <laughs> our defense, our, our teachers our are better. better. Glenn the same Sherman and been. Muschamp are better, plain exactly. and simple. The same reason we're doing so well is the same reason Alabama's taking a step back. They're they're often like there's too much delegation going on in that program. Back Since when
0: Kirby left, mm.
1: yeah, like you know there are a lot of good coordinators they could hire, and they've had some good ones come and go. But that's just that's part of the challenge of being Alabama is that you face more attrition with your coordinators. But it's, it coincides with the fact that Nick Saban's getting older. It's nothing on their program, but they're fan base will will tell you they don't want bill o'brien they're starting to tell you they don't want the defense coordinator either whatever his name is and i just yeah, think whatever his name is yeah, what, yeah <laughs> you know who, what I mean. who even cares i'm just saying they're unhappy with the coordinators and i'm sure that's what nick say but you know he, since he's so full of excuses he man he's the goat of winning championships but he's the goat of excuses like I, I'm Next time I'm, I'm in a pinch and I'm going to need an excuse, I'm just going to think, "What would Saban say right now?" I was like, "You know, it was traffic. It was the damn, the, the, uh, the, the traffic coordinator sprained his ankle, and I didn't know which way it turned, so I just took the <laughs> left. Cost me twenty minutes today, but I'm here, happy Thanksgiving. But anyway, guys, the thing is, is that you know there there are there's more than to it than just being a great coach. But that that we talked about this going into the season that even though the team maybe if you're doing that on paper evaluation, maybe they're not better than last year, but they got their staff improved. You know, a lot of the younger guys developed a lot of those uh, younger guys saw, you know, big game, big game experience guys like Stetson coming back in that second year, the continuity to me, that's, these are all things that go much further than, you know, how prolific your offense is or any, any of those little things. I mean, those are all important, but like the culture at Georgia is elite. The culture is number one. We could we could fall in the ranking t- tomorrow, and that culture is still number one. And that's why we're gonna have multiple championships. I hope Kirby Smart's got his cardio good. He's sleeping eight hours, you know, a night. He's he's watching his cholesterol because Kirby, we need you to deliver these championships. Like as long as you're living and breathing as the Georgia coach, man, what you're doing, buddy, it, it it's on another level. I, I I really respect Kirby. He's kind of he's more of an old school guy than a lot of these you know younger more flashy uh int- you know not that Kirby's not smart but you know he's not selling himself as this like whiz kid who's going to you know just outthink you you know he he keeps it w- way less sexy than that he's all about the he's the, the devil's in the details it's all about that preparation and he's built something that just goes beyond anything and that you know i just don't think Tennessee realizes that and hey like credit to the program but you guys could fall off next year. We saw Auburn do it every other couple of years. And, you know, that. stay patient. Hopefully Josh Heupel's got you on a position. But I just, I was just, dude, the audacity. Like, I still have a sick taste in my mouth from the disrespect. Just like no credit. But I don't want to be a sore winner. So I'm not. But Tennessee, Tennessee got lucky that the score wasn't any more than it was because we talked
0: about the safety that the defense had. Uh, shortly after that, the offense decided or had to punt. They were deep in their end zone, didn't convert. They had to punt. And shortly after, as Todd Munkin has been true to form, Stetson goes play action and throws a bomb to the Murray County boy, Lad McConkey for an absolute strike and another touchdown on the board. Following that, you had Kenny Mack receiving a wheel route from the running back position. And then you have an NFL catch by Marcus Roseme Jack Same. The offense was literally humming, clicking on all cylinders. And this game definitely wouldn't have got out of hand. Tennessee fans, if if it if it takes you trying to convince yourself, hey, we only lost by two scores because of, or we didn't do as much because of the rain, you really need to take a second. You really need to take a second and think about that because it's not your offense that was hindered by the rain. It was Georgia's. The whole third quarter after all of these scores that I just went through was about just killing the clock and just taking your defense's will to live essentially and and that's what we did and that's the type of complementary football that georgia can play if we want to air it out play action straight up hit tight ends hit wide receivers we can do that but if we need to pound pound you into submission we can do that as well and and that's what happened and i think the crowd noise is a is a part of it like you don't take you don't take your wins at home anything away from your crowd when you won those games but you want to take that away from georgia when we do it and that's it's moving the goalposts. It's a double standard. And college football, when we're between the lines, we don't care about none of that. So uh, shout out to the all the fans that were there. I heard so many people on social media just commenting that they were hoarse, could not talk, but it was absolutely worth it. The videos that are coming out, uh, the all-access stuff from the game just look phenomenal. The relationships that these guys on the football team have with Kirby, with each other, with the fans, the alumni that came back for this game – I, honestly like i'm absolutely just proud to be a georgia bulldog i know we say that all the time but after a win like this where we were doubted nationwide and where i felt like for the most part because i've talked to several people like tennessee really had coming into the game i really felt like they had an honest chance of winning so i didn't i didn't really talk too too much i wanted to let people like say their piece tennessee fans they're excited like sure but now that you have to own that loss you refuse to own it and i'm I'm just really proud of the university as a whole it it, it was great the dbs were amazing javon bullard shout out keely ringo on the interception where he literally ran the route for tillman was amazing and this was after he had missed a couple tackles on the same drive it was it was great and then in summary again we went up 24-3 at the half killed the clock in the second half tennessee doesn't score their first touchdown until four minutes or so left in the game we were even in the turnover margin, nine to six in the penalty margin. We we won not no 17 penalties to help Tennessee. Seven, six sacks, but it should have been seven with the face without the face max there. And then holding Tennessee under 300 total yards, which is a feat in itself. And now as the playoff rankings are out, Georgia's back to number one where they should be. Tennessee has fallen to number five. Could we meet again? Possibly. And you know, we'll decide. We'll decide then if that if that happens. But now that you've got Alabama out of the way, essentially, and LSU looking to make a push for the West, things are gonna get pretty, pretty interesting. But Keegan, just real quick before we hop into Mississippi State, do you got a player of the game, offense, defense, unit, or anything like that, or somebody that you just want to shout out for the performance? There were a lot of good performances. But if you could narrow it down and give me somebody that really stuck stuck out to you, who would that
1: be? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you two. I'll start with the honorable mention, and that's Arian Smith. Like We knew coming in, him coming into Georgia, he was one of the fastest dudes on the team, if not the fastest. He had Olympic track time. Then he gets hurt. And then for him to, you know, make that big play, like we've seen things like that in the past where guys come back and end up making a big play. But that was just one of those moments that just, you know, really made me happy for him. And it was awesome to see him contribute in that way in such a a pivotal moment early in the game that really led to the momentum going our favor. And other than that, but my defensive guy that I got to go with, you know, the player of the game overall is Jalen Carter. Like you just don't see that level of dominance. Like to me, he's, he's like the next Aaron Donald type player potentially in the NFL. Like he just has the athletic ability. He's got a nose for the football. It's honestly scary. Like the way he's, he can impact the game. Someone who used to be on the D line, I really just respect what he did. So I gotta get I gotta give it up to Jalen as just having the most one of the most dominant performances of the game. I think what two forced fumbles. It just impacted the line of scrimmage, little plays, big plays, but overall just like you you'd watch the film on Jalen Carter and it's complete dominance against, you know, Cade Mays and other linemen that are supposed to be, you know, NFL talent kind of guys, like these are no scrubs. So Jalen just whooped ass up front. So shout out to Jalen and uh shout out to Arian. Who who are you? you know, who are you handing out uh dog bones to? Yeah. This? For
0: me, you, people are getting people are getting dog bones on their helmets for this week is Stetson Bennett. Again, Stetson really just answered the call. And <laughs> after being called all night long, apparently, like I can't get over that. Like I, I love that. But Gosh. and again, I'm thinking as if, you know, if Tennessee would have been more of a challenge, don't get upset, if they would have been more of a challenge offensively and Stetson would have had to play more, more volume, he he easily would have cleared 300 yards passing with probably would have been three passing touchdowns along with his rushing uh, touchdown. And it probably would have put him back in at least some more Heisman consideration. I know he's been off that list for a while, but he, he delivered. And again, going back to Michigan last year, Bama last year, Oregon this year, and now Tennessee. When when we need him, he is the vet. He shows up, and it's 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 clockwork at this point. So shout out to Stetson. I know probably getting tired, people getting tired of us putting in player of the game, but he keeps earning it, and I'm gonna keep giving it to him, especially after the whole JT uh, debacle where he just went out and he just proved to be the better player. And then uh, defensively, while Jalen Carter was effective, and I think the highest rated defensive lineman in the country. Uh, according to pff which does a lot of great ratings and things like that i want to give a shout out to the secondary because kirby challenged them you heard the leaked audio of kirby essentially cussing out keely ringo like y'all ain't guarding shit you know (laughs) you know i mean like and that's kirby that's the energy kirby has but him and will muschamp put together a great game plan and again we had film from last year Remember, I said 27 points because they scored 17 at home last year. I thought they would make a bit of improvement, but our offense would be better. They scored one touchdown and two field goals. That's the secondary. That's again, Keeley. That's Javon. That's that's the scheme. They there were so many, there was they recovered so well, the wide receivers for Tennessee. Go back and look at the game. There were several holding and pass interference, and some of them sure were fair calls, but honestly, we were all over their receivers, not missing tackles. Keeping them in front of us and then just coming up and making the play. It was a beautiful, beautiful game by the secondary. And obviously, the defensive line in the front seven helped as well. Amen.
1: Amen. Mind you, too, that touchdown they scored did not come until there's four minutes left in the game. And it was so, a rushing touchdown as well. It was like, a rushing touchdown. And again, so, this
0: is number one in points offense, passing yards, uh, I mean, pos- possessions or, or play, like whatever, you know, like the tempo, all the things that we heard about. This secondary, rose to the challenge and dominated absolutely dominated hats off.
1: I think moving forward that, I mean, yeah, maybe there's a chance we see Tennessee again. I kind of doubt it, honestly, but regardless, you know, a tune up preparation for the Mississippi state game, a, a preparation for a potential, you know, like an Ohio state or another team that's got a prolific offense. Like we, we need the youth on our defense to be battle tested and we got that. So Overall, just an impressive dominating performance from the defense. And, like, we knew the offense was going to be a little bit better. I've been saying the defense is getting better every week, but they really took the top off my expectations. So now I'm saying sky's the limit. I, You know, I do see us potentially doing a back-to-back run here. So we're in a great position for that. And some kind of interesting thing to tie last week with this week is that Josh Heupel, is a, is a disciple of Mike Leach. He was the quarterback in Norman, Oklahoma, that they were their boomer sooner when a Mike Leach coached offense, you know, consistently has been a record-setting offense. If you just, you know, follow his his coaching line, I think it, it suits us to, to play one before the other. And that's kind of what Mississippi State has going for it. Just a, an overall prolific offense. And I think that that, I think sometimes a lot of what makes a team successful in college football is how a season plays out, and Cheeto was saying it earlier about how perfectly, you know, this back-to-back, one prolific offense to the next kind of plays out, and I just thought it was interesting that there's a lot of history between Josh Heupel and Mike Leach. While Mike Leach's team is maybe a more volume team, I mean, literally, like, you, you you take it all the way back to when he was the coach at Kentucky, you know, his quarterback, Tim couch, number one, overall draft pick, you go a few years in the future, Cliff Cleansberry uh, also an, a coach now, you know, broke the NCAA record for completions and you just follow his teams and year after year, there's a record breaker. There's a leading QB, you know, it's, it's straight out of that coaching branch. And I think we saw a lot of that with Josh Heupel and, what, what are you looking for? And- so
0: the other Bulldogs of Mississippi State, I know after a very emotional, high-profile game like that, that normally these can be the trap in the sleeper games. And Kirby's going to treat it as such because Kirby's a good coach and he always pays attention to what matters. But as you alluded to, Mike Leach, Josh Heupel, while the schemes are a bit different, I think I think passing this test in the passing offense that was – the volunteers is perfect for our DBs, and again, these are younger DBs, so they're still they're still learning. As good as they played, they're still learning, and they are I think ready for this challenge and eager to learn more. the The home games that Mississippi State has played, they've been good in. The away games haven't been as much, but they are five and zero at home, so they take their home field advantage very seriously and have done well with it. They've got wins over Texas A and M, Arkansas, and Auburn at home. Not the Sickest gauntlet, but again, quality teams. And in the SEC West, you don't really win on accident. So give them credit for that. They are ninth in passing yards with 324 per game on the season, 40th in points per game with a respectable 32.6. And Will Rogers is the only quarterback in the SEC that has more passing yards than Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker being right underneath him with 2,900 passing yards. So this guy can throw the ball. He's been... uh prolific and an offense that allows quarterbacks with good arms and met that make good throws to do so. And you mentioned Mike Leach and the, you know, the relationship from a mentality of an offense standpoint as Josh Hypel. So I think this will be another good opportunity for the Georgia DBs. And I think I have a little bit of confidence knowing that we just passed probably the toughest of tests that we're going to have in that regards, just like week last week. And we did that flying colors. Passed that test. But um, we're also hoping to get some people back from injuries. A.D. Mitchell, this high ankle sprain seems to be lingering pretty well. Um, We've got Jalen Carter back. He looked good. I don't think we're going to have any setbacks there. Kirby may be cautious with him in practice. And then Robert Beal, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, when he left the last game, it was just a stinger. He is uh, okay by all accounts. And I'm sure they'll just take it easy with him until they just make sure he's all clear and good to go. Uh, A couple of O-linemen who are struggling, but the depth that we've had show that they are completely capable if we have to have a few pieces uh, missing. And this is a Saturday night game on ESPN at seven o'clock. So uh, again, Kirby's going to have this team ready with the mentality of, yeah, you won last week. We're not done. It's a November stretch. It's not just Tennessee. We got Mississippi State. We got Kentucky on the road before we come back and serve up some turkey to Georgia Tech?
1: Yeah, I think Kirby's ability to do that goes underrated. I mean, it, it's human nature to want to slip up after you have a big win. That's just anything. Like, I'll be shooting basketball, I'll hit, like, a few in a row, and then I just got a couple just ridiculous, ugly air balls because I just went away from thinking about, the you know, where my hand's at, where Insistency. the at. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking about, oh, I'm doing good. And that, those thoughts do not equal – you know, that's not the kind of focus. That's not where your mind needs to be in an in game or, you know, execution situation. So, you know, it's interesting. We have a big home field advantage type game where Tennessee's got all these penalties. You know, it's one of the, one of the loudest games on record, maybe ever I've heard like 133 decibels. I mean, I don't know how scientific any of that is, but I mean, one of the loudest games ever. And then the following week we go to Starkville where, just like Will Ferrell in that old Saturday Night Live skit, they're gonna be asking and calling for more cowbell. I like, need more cowbell. I need more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? and I, if they're not using that in their athletic department. You guys can call me for a consulting job. I got you. I got for real. Call. Like how you not? Come on, man. Uh, y'all are dropping the ball fast. That's low hanging fruit. That is that is a pear on the ground. Just drop, baby. But anyway, so the thing is, Mississippi State they're they're they've been known to be a tough nosed team you know Mike Leach is going to probably try to come out and pass the ball 50 times on Georgia's defense so you know this is where conditioning plays a big part this is where it's really important to get pressure and some disruption on the line because I mean they're not so much the big play big chunk kind of offense throw it over the top that Tennessee is they're more like 10 screens, 10 slants, like all the little rinky-dink passes eating up clock and time and yardage down the field. They really play like an NFL offense. I mean, this is like what Mike Leach is known for. He's kind of one of the main grandfathers of the air raid offense and really set it into prominence in college football in his time at Texas Tech. I mentioned earlier how, you know, nothing but record breakers and record setters under Mike Leach's coached offenses through over the years' times. Really, I think... You know, y'all can do the background research, but if it weren't for the scandal that ended up getting him terminated at Texas Tech, you know, he was on the short list of big time, big program jobs for like a long, long time. And like, if you look year to year where Georgia fell at the Mark Rick times, I mean, yeah, a lot of times we fell to that crappy South Carolina team, but people forget to mention that one of the all time greatest coaches of college football was coaching those teams. So, I just like I give a lot of credit to Kirby. I'll give a lot of credit to Mike Leach, and I think we're in for a real test. You know, a night game finally, but on the road in Starkville, and I'm hoping that the the cowbells and the preparation for the uh, for, I mean, they just played in a very loud stadium. So, Cheetah, you know, what are your thoughts on cowbell schools? I know you played football in a in a more rural area uh, uh, where I graduated from Woodland. We had a lot of cowbell going on. Is it a worse factor than just yelling? I mean, how does that, where do you stand on the cowbell? I I imagine, I I imagine it's, uh, a lot of noise. I will
0: say the experience that we just had from last weekend should help the team. I personally never had to deal with any of that. That's not like a thing that we did around here. If it was, there's maybe a sparingly a couple people, you know, oh boy came straight from the farm to the football game and had his own little thing, but it wasn't like widespread like it is in Starkville. But for other teams, it kind of comes off as like gimmicky. So like if that's what you need to be successful, so be it. We'll come to your place and we're we're going to try to find success Regardless of the cowbell. So I, I don't think it's gonna be an issue. Definitely not any that I'd ever faced.
1: So I mean all, if we all good over here. If you do it once over, over Mississippi State, you will find that it is nothing but cows and chickens for for miles and miles and miles. So i think it, I think it's part gimmicky and I think it was just part practicality. It's Lifestyle. Like what yeah, yeah, I yeah. hear. You. I hear it's you. like what do we got that's gonna get loud, you know? they wasn't those uh South African little horns that we saw back in the, the World Cup back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
0: only the only bell that concerns me is the victory bell after after Georgia wins uh, tough games like last weekend. And I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get uh, a little ring dingling ourselves after this Saturday, after a night game. There's nothing better than the, the the bell being rung in a nice, cold, crisp winter or fall night in Athens, Georgia. So I'm, I'm looking forward right. to that. Give me your score prediction uh, to end Saturday night. And then let's hit that pick six. Um, yes, so, tell, me, tell me how you feel Tell me where your, your numbers are looking like right now
1: So so I like to I was thinking about this It's like for all the efforts we do In pre-game and post-game analysis I've been trying to do my own analysis Of my analysis The meta-analysis And I think going into this week I want to play it cautious And go with the spread You know, they're like 16-point favorites I think the the anxious part of me Wants to downplay that But the part of me that wants to look at the film tape, look at how I'm picking these games. I think, I think I've think i been a little bullish on other teams where I've been a little bit more timid with Georgia. So just using my own brain as a metric, I'm going to go over 16. I got Georgia, I got them winning this game 45 to nine. Uh, actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to give them 12 points. I'm going to give them 12 points. Georgia's defense has been ridiculous. They're playing at an all-time level. I just don't want to be a doubter anymore. I think I've been playing the doubter card and just kind of underdoing it. I'm hoping I go, maybe I'll overdo it this week, but I got them winning 45 to 12.
0: I I like that. And I, I find myself doing that too. Like again, my score last week was, and again, game script has a lot to do with it. I went 42, 42, 27 gave Tennessee a lot of credit, but I do think after an emotional game, especially with some younger players that there will be some letdown at some point. And it's at Mississippi state. So let me go 41 for georgia i think the offense has to stay engaged and we don't run the clock out like we did especially on the road stays engaged so 41 give me give me 41 17 so underneath mississippi state's average but i'm 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 just giving them a little bit more they play really good at home and that's a lot of passing one slip could be one thing so yeah 41 17 dogs on top
1: All right. You heard it here first, guys. And that will move us into our Keeley pick six. Cheeto, I don't know what you got over there, but start us off.
0: Okay. So we got, it's not as electric as last week, but we got some big games here. Let's start with Alabama at Ole Miss. Alabama is on the struggle bus, got another loss to LSU. They are all but out of the conversation when it comes to the college football playoffs, unless they manage to win a game like this and put themselves back in Back into SEC West contention, and they're going to have to make the SEC championship game and win to have a chance. And since it's Alabama, do not count them out. But can they go? I think there's a sense of urgency for Nick Saban and company to go to Ole Miss. With that being said, their defense is non existent, and Lane Kiffin has been talking well about Nick Saban all week. I think Ole Miss just, it's a shootout, and Alabama can't keep up for one reason or another. Give me Ole Miss at home.
1: I mean, dude, they, they should have really. They could have really lost like three or four other games this season. They've had more. We've been
0: saying this for two seasons now.
1: Yeah. Like they've been, their games have been way too close. Like these bad habits do catch up with you. They're playing a bad mismatch for their bad habits. So, and we already saw like, you know, they have a consistent track record right now of, you know, kind of sucking it up on the road and getting a lot of penalties. Ole Miss is going to be hype. They're going to be ready for this game. You know, Tennessee wants to be that second, uh, I guess, have Ole Miss and LSU played already? Let me ask you that.
0: I am not sure, but I, I do know. I was going to just mention that both Ole Miss has looked as good at times as both LSU and Tennessee. So I, okay. I think that's a very bad recipe for Bama.
1: Yeah. So they can make a good, they can make a push. And, you know, I, I on the one hand, history says that, you know, Nick Saban coach teams turn around, don't lose. Memphis. Yes. It just isn't the same kind of vibe. I just don't know. It, I think it falls. And what are in- they
0: playing for? You know? And what are they playing for? That's, yeah. Once you get that mindset creeping in, it's tough.
1: We'll see. We'll see. And kudos to Nick Saban if he can get him up for a big victory. And over there in Ole Miss. But, yeah, I, I actually am going with Ole Miss as well. So, who? who what's your second game for the
0: LSU at Arkansas.
1: The, the football historian in me wants to go Arkansas all day because the SEC just cannibalizes itself with talent. And Arkansas just got down bad, beat by Liberty. They're ready for a win. But, man, I think Arkansas is at least going to push LSU. At least going to push. I guess I'll go with LSU in this one. I'm going to go
0: LSU as well. Both of these teams, LSU and Ole Miss, really trying to make a push since Bama has fallen from the top of – I think this is an opportunity, and any coach can see in the Western Division, you got to seize it. Okay, game number three. It's Purdue at Illinois. Illinois still ranked in the top 25. Purdue's had a decent season, and they're capable. How do you think it's going to play
1: out? I see them pushing Illinois, but I like what uh, Brett Bielma has done, and I see the fight in eye. Pulling on through strong with Big
0: W. Me as well. We are three for three. We are the same. Louisville at Clemson, who suffered an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. The college football playoff committee suffered a lot of embarrassing losses because they clearly don't evaluate talent the same way that the coaches in the AP poll uh, have, and thank goodness for those polls. Can Clemson bounce back against Louisville at home?
1: I just want a metric for those polls. Like, just tell me how you're doing it and do it that way. Don't change it every week. Consistently. Don't don't pick it up. I agree. I feel like that's what they're doing. But with Clemson, yeah, same thing. They've been sloppy all year. You know, I saw Clemson just getting in based on how easy their schedule was. But if they don't have any QB play, it's not going to happen. Show me Clemson. Like, you know, I want to root for you guys. But, hey, y'all have been sucking it up. So I'm going to say Louisville pushes them. I guess Clemson comes out with a W just because Louisville's not that. I'm going to say Clemson
0: comes out with a W, but it is it does suck for them because again, a lot of people were under the assumption that set, with Ohio State and Clemson, both of them really needed to win to win out of their conference and win the conference because of the weak schedule that they usually have. So um, they got a lot of work to do if they want to stick in this top four. All right, and then I got a couple. Let's one, two, three, four. Okay, we got six here. All right, so UFC, UCF, Josh Heupel's old head coaching gig. At Tulane. I believe both are ranked right now, if I'm not mistaken.
1: You know, I'm going to go with Tulane. Tulane has been on the up and up, and I heard an interview from their coach earlier in the season. I was like, I like this guy, so let's go with Tulane.
0: I'll take it. Tulane is 8-1, and one, number 17 in the in the poll right now. UC, UCF 7-2, 22. So going to be a good game. Let me, just for the sake of it, I'll, I'll stick with you right now. I'm going to go with Tulane there. And then last but not least, we have a – Competent Maryland team, six and three, visiting Penn State, who has who is 14th currently, seven and two. Give me uh, give me Penn State in that one. I'm going to go with it as well. We've got the same, and the only I guess real upset that we have is Ole Miss out of this one, but LSU at Arkansas. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Anything else, Keegan, that you'd like to add before we hop out of hop
1: off here? I got. Yes, sir. So I got two games that you did not have, and that would be 25 Washington at number six, Oregon. It's not even a pick. It's more just a commentating factor. Oregon's going to keep on rolling. And really like, that's what we need for Georgia. It's like, God forbid we slip up, but the better that Tennessee and Oregon do, since those are our big wins of the season, the better it is for UGA moving forward. So going to get a big win there at Oregon and then another big ranked matchup, number four, TCU at Texas. I don't know how real. Oh, Texas, I missed that one. Yeah, TCU is going to get tested more than any of the other teams moving forward. So to me, I had Texas in the playoff. That was kind of my dark horse. You know, they they had injuries with Quinn Ewers. They pushed Alabama. I could see them winning out. I could see them winning out, but uh, I'm going to say that it's at least a very close game and i mean you're playing at texas that was a lot of the alabama players said it was the loudest game they'd ever been at playing at texas so man give me give me texas on that i'm gonna double down on what i was thinking earlier i just don't think tcu's really played anybody so hard to hard to say and i think i think it's gonna be the best probably the game of the weekend we'll see um but yeah that's that's kind of my take do you got any commentary on those two games i think
0: um, I like TCU. I think they're just playing who's in front of them, but I like Bijan Robinson as well. Kids, kids looking definitely like the best all-around running back in the, in college football right now. And I I'm a sucker for legit running backs. So um just looking for a good game. I don't care either way, but I'm looking for a good game. Let all the chaos underneath us happen. I'm comfortable where we're at. We're we're gonna finish what we're doing. We're in control of our destiny. So the more chaos, uh, I'm I'm cool with it. I'd love to see it. So I'm good.
1: Hey, I hope you guys are just soaking it in. Hey, we're just trying to have fun and, uh, you know, commentate on the ride. It's been a, a great season so far. Great season. Guess, so we're just going to keep on rolling with it, hopefully uh, on the backhand of more Georgia W's. I haven't felt the sting of an L in a while, but you Tennessee volunteers can remind me what that feels like. Maybe in like 2026, 20, you know, we'll talk or something when Josh Heupel's got enough talent or or we're on a neutral field. We could play in Knoxville if they got another stadium. It's more neutral for you guys, but uh. hey,
0: sang a lot of sang a lot of Rocky Top, but uh, listen in the SEC, it's week to week, and I think Tennessee found out the hard way that you need to humble yourself. Like, I, I don't think that there was a whole lot of Georgia fans really thumping the chest before. Afterwards, celebrate a little bit, but again, as good as the win was, Tennessee, like we're having a good time, but we're done with you now. We're moving on. And it's on to Mississippi State. If you guys get another chance to come see us, you come see us then. Until then, you need to keep quiet and focus on your own stuff. And that's how the game of football works, especially around here in these parts. Reach Telling me. Yeah. Dog Nation, always a blast. Keegan, appreciate your time. And as always, guys, you know what it is. Off the leash. Do
1: it for the dogs. Do it for the dogs.
0: Do it for the dogs.